0: welcome back to the bet bros podcast episode 11 today we have a special guest with us who is a sports journalist for the athletic has been named minnesota sports writer of the year four times and in 2017 was named the winner of the red fisher award which is given to the best beat reporter in the nhl we're happy to welcome michael russo hey guys how are you good how are you
1: how you doing I'm doing well. It's uh, weird with the team on the road and me being back here. Usually, I travel with them, uh, but I'm going to Vegas next week, so at least I'll be with them. Uh, be with them on the road for a little bit.
2: Where are they at right now? Uh
1: they're out in uh San Jose. They play tonight at uh 9 30 our time. So it's gonna be a late night tonight. Yeah. Uh then they go to Colorado. This was not supposed to be a three-game trip. It was or this was not supposed to be a five-game trip because you know the, the COVID outbreak uh, hit the team. They've completely rescheduled the the, the lineup. In fact, I just actually printed it out and put it up on my my bulletin board, because it's so messed up. I mean, it's not just the games that were postponed. They had to shuffle a bunch of things to just fit in the games that they're rescheduling. So, uh, so it'll be a very compressed uh, last part of the season for them.
2: They finally got off the of COVID stuff though, right?
1: Yeah, everybody's healthy. In fact, uh tonight they should have their full lineup back. I assume uh, we're going to have Zooms here in a little bit. Uh, but I assume the Carson Susie is going to be back in the lineup. And that's really about it. The only extra guy is, uh, is Brad Hunt right now. Uh, Marcus Johansson's uh, got a back injury, so he'll, you know, be out a little bit. But uh, right now, they're healthy for the first time all season. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, I was just going to start it off by asking you, uh, could you walk us through a day in the life of what a normal day is like for you, like breakfast to dinner time, how it works? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is an odd season, obviously, uh,
1: so I wouldn't say that, that my normal day is anything like uh, the last uh, several, several, you know, couple decades of covering the sport. But in a normal season on a game day, I would wake up, be at the arena by 930 or 10 for the morning skate. You, you walk the locker room, you're able to talk uh, to players one on one in group settings. Um, and then you, you're you either writing an early story or I'm using that reporting for stories that I'm going to write later in the day. If it's a practice day, uh, you know, usually after a game, they'll practice at 11 o'clock today. Uh, if there's no practice the day before, it'll be around 10, 1030. And, um, you, know, you know, same thing, you just, you get sort of the run of the mill and, and work the locker room and things like that and, and write stories. So a lot of a lot of it is is that and then on a game day again a normal situation if it was a home game or a road game I get to the arena two two and a half hours before the game um you know just kind of get settled uh, eat dinner all that type of stuff and and usually you' are I'm leaving because at the athletic we have no space constraints no deadline constraints usually I'm leaving an arena probably two two and a half hours at least after a game I' mean actually probably longer after the game ends 9 I'm usually out of the arena by you know, 1230 to one, uh, just based on on what I'm writing. Um, you know, this year it's different. We're, we're, everything's virtual. Um, it's one reason why I'm not on the road right now. It's just, um, you know, you, you go to the games, you're there, it's awesome. But but you then after the game, you're just sitting in the press box doing the same Zoom that I'm doing back here in Minnesota. So uh, more for a change of scenery. Uh next week I'll go to Vegas for the first two games of that road trip and just sort of get out of my house, actually back in an arena. And that that should be actually exciting because it hasn't been announced yet. But it looks like the state of Nevada is gonna actually open the arena up to 20% fans. So wild fans, if they want, um, and I just looked at prices, it's super cheap to get out there right now. It's like 200 bucks to get out there. Um, you could, you know, essentially for the first time any wild fan could see uh, you know, the team and Karol Kaprizov and those guys live. So I think that a lot of Wild fans might make the trip, which may make for a really good story. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, do you like to travel? I do. I miss it a lot. Um, you know, this is not, uh, you know, when you're a writer as long as I have, uh, you cover 82 games a season and you're not used to sitting on your couch at home watching the game on TV and working, you know, it, it's just not the same thing. Uh, you don't get to see behind the play and all that stuff. But also, in terms of just the travel itself, uh, you know, I, I love to, um, you know, be in a, other cities, experience uh, the, that lifestyle, the culture of cities, uh, you know, uh, go to great restaurants. It's it's not a tough, tough gig. Um, it's a lot more strenuous than it used to be. Like back, you know, pre-9-11, uh, he, he would show up at an airport, like, 40 minutes before a flight and get on and not worry about that type of of, thing, probably exaggerating a little bit, but now it's, now the whole act of traveling is such a pain, Um, you know, uh, and especially now with the COVID-19 restrictions too and masking up and um, but I do like to get out of town and, and, and the other perk of this job, I mean, selfishly is, as all wild fans make fun of me is, uh, is Delta points, and Marriott points, you know, during the off season, I travel for free. I get to go, I mean, I've been to Europe probably 20 times for free, Hawaii, Cabo. I mean, and, and, you know, where you're using your hotel points and your, your, your airline miles and you're, and you're going to these cool, cool places as vacations. And, uh, that's something that I haven't gotten to experience now for in well over a year.
2: So, what have you thought about Carrillo so far this year? I know obviously it's like been a long time coming for the Wild to get him over here and stuff, and I think he's been pretty impressive. What have you thought? Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's been pretty impressive. I think the, like a lot of guys on this
1: team, their lack of centers has probably hurt him a little bit. Where you know they're they're having trouble getting him the puck, so he's now become sort of the puck distributor. As we saw the other night in Anaheim, he made some unbelievable plays and looked like he had chemistry on the line with Zuccarello and Ras. But you know, I, I think he's going to be an outstanding player. I think that we're seeing the very, very beginning of how good he can be. You know, he, he shows flashes of being dynamic, but like a lot of rookies, even though he's 23 years old and not your typical, you know, like, like Patrick Kane, when he came in the league at 18 years old, um, you know, grill has got five years on that. So he should be a more mature player. And I think we'll see that, but there's a lot of things that he's got to fix about his game, the way that he takes care of the puck, he turns a lot of pucks over defensively he has been negligent on a, a couple of players like a lot of creative players he kind of bursts out of the zone when they're probably not ready to to break the puck out and it's led to some goals against or chances against I think all that stuff will happen but you never know, and their coach talked about that the other day that you know they they're trying to sort of develop that in his game but right now I mean he's leading all rookies in scoring and he's played you know probably four or five fewer games than most of the
0: rookies in the league yeah. Um, I actually did some research and I found out that you, uh, authored a Sports Illustrated for Kids book in 2000. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how the process works for writing a book and was there anything you did to like help promote it?
1: Um, really no. Um, and in terms of the process, uh, I hated every second of it. So <laughs> probably, it's why I haven't written a book since, um, <laughs> I, you know as i also said i i like really enjoy my off seasons and i travel a lot like i'm you know as much as i travel in a normal hockey season i travel more in the off season because i love to just go on vacation whether it's the beach or the mountains or, or napa or vegas uh a zillion times and so um you know that's the worst part of uh that's the worst part of um of writing a book is that, you know, after working all season long to write and write and write and write, and now you're writing again in the off season. So it wasn't my favorite thing to do. I think if I ever wrote another book, it would probably be on something that um, is not sports related, but something else that I'm like, you know, uh, you know, interested in, whether it was, whether it's music or wine or, <laughs> or uh, like poker or something like that. probably not hockey. I think I, you know, you know it's like any job as great as this job is, there are times where like you know even when you're hanging out with buddies and they start asking you about hockey and it's the last thing you want to do right yeah like i've been writing about it all day thinking about it all day talking about it all day on the radio or tv or podcasts and um you know you just don't want to now do any more so the book is interesting though because um you know you had to write it at like a fifth grade level which is kind of like the level i write at anyway um but uh but it's but it was you know that was the hardest part is that like you would write you'd feel like you're you know kind of i hate to sit, use it the term like this but dumbing it down um, yeah you know for kids and then they come back to you like no even this eight letter word is a little too big. Like, you know, it just felt like a whole hard process, but it was a neat book when I look back at it now and you see all the superstars in the league that was in that book, you know, guys like uh, Milan Hayduk and Joe Thornton, and Paul Correa, and all these, uh, Chris Pronger, I think was in it. And um, Patrick Eliash. And, you know, it's scary how many players are pretty much probably the entire book. It was the 10 best players or they picked players and I did five of them. And I think they're all out of the league, which just shows you how long I've been doing this job. I started at 21 covering the NHL and it started as a sports writer when I was 16. And and now all the guys that I wrote about in a Young Stars book is out of the league. That really, it's almost depressing at this point. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's crazy. Uh, You said uh, if you could write like about a topic, poker would come to mind. Uh, Are you a big gambler? You um, yeah, not sports gambling,
1: but, uh, but you know, I, I love playing craps and and probably shouldn't talk about this. <laughs> but I am, uh, that's probably my passion is like when I go to Vegas, like poker, craps, blackjack, things like that. I, I don't really gamble on sports at all. If I do, it's like a little bet on a parlay or something like that. The one thing I think being a sports writer that I've learned is that. You know, it's just a, at least in my opinion—and you know, you're you're dealing with human beings. You don't know, uh, you know, exactly what's going on in their lives. It's going to change your game, um, and and I, uh, you know, and I just, I I just don't get any enjoyment out of out of gambling on sports. But I love playing poker, um, love watching poker, become friends with a couple of poker professional poker players as well and um you know a couple of years ago daniel negrano who's like the biggest vegas golden knights uh fanatic ever i did two or three features on him during their run to the stanley cup final and that was probably the biggest thrill of my time uh as a sports writer I was getting to do uh, uh you know a bunch of stories on a hero of mine so um so that that is kind of like if i ever did anything it would be on a bulk it would be on music or um or, or probably you know poker or something like that the problem is with poker is that I don't really you know i love to play it and i feel like i'm good at it but when you until you're around like people like that you don't realize how little you do know and how how bad you are really at the game you know <laughs> um and and so i don't know if i'd have be equipped to write a book on on poker what it would have to be is more of a, a biography about a, a, a player that that's the type of thing that i'm good at with my writing is writing features on people and things like that so like same thing with music i i don't I, you know i can't be like Chris and John that over at the Star Tribune and analyze what I'm hearing, but I, but in terms of the personality, I'd be able to write biographies on any musician if uh, if you know you're given that type of access.
2: So when you you said you usually go on the road, like in a regular season, you'd be on the road with the team. Right Would now, I'd mean? be on the road now for over a week. <laughs> would that mean that like when uh when the team goes out for like dinner and stuff, are you usually there with them? Or are you around the team most of the time or no? I'm around the team,
1: but no, uh, you you try to have boundaries. I mean, you know, a lot of times I do stay at their hotels and obviously I know all these guys and you and you get that type of access, but very rarely would I go to dinner with them. The only time you ever do that is like if you are going to do it like an interview. So I mean Um, You know, a lot of times and the wild are really good with this is that a lot of times in training camp, especially if I'm going to do a really good big profile on a player, um, you know, I will take them to lunch and and um, and same thing on the road during the season if they have time and we could at least grab a coffee at a a Starbucks or or go grab a beer or or or, um, or whatever. Um, you know, you would do that. But but in terms of being involved in like part of the team, you know, you definitely keep that boundary. Um, the, the only people that you would ever really during a hockey season go to dinner with would be, you know, maybe with the GM or maybe with the coach, uh, something like that. But very rarely, you know, back in the old days was a lot different. The one thing that I've learned, you know, being in this business as long as I have is that before social media, players were a lot more open and less scared of the media. Um, and now, because uh, there's multiple ways to, you know, before, if you, if you, if a player secret was going to get out, it would be in a newspaper and newspaper only. There was no online, there was no way of me slipping and saying it on a podcast or a radio interview or a TV <laughs> interview and, or Twitter. And, and so... You know, players. I think a lot of times are almost, you know, he- really hesitant to sort of open up their life. Um, and that's the one thing that I that I pride myself on at the Athletic is that at least with these in-depth personality profiles that I'm able to write on these guys, I think most of them realize that I'm not there to burn them and not, you know, not not going to do anything that's going to get them in trouble. And I and I understand what would get them in trouble. Um, so it's one of those things where, um, you know it's still though with a lot of the younger players it's I don't think that they would feel very comfortable if all of a sudden I was sitting at their dinner
0: table yeah (laughs) yeah uh I uh knew that you kind of started your career off in uh Florida could you talk about some uh, memories that kind of stuck out for you when you were there and spent your time there
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I covered the Panthers um, for a long, long time. My first year is when they uh, went to the Stanley Cup final. I became the beat writer, though, two years later, as the full-time beat writer. Um, But it was it was a blast down there. They were, uh, you know, I hate to say it like this, but they were absolutely a dysfunctional organization. And a lot of times, when you're a dysfunctional organization, that makes for the best stories to write. And it was constant. I mean, they did stuff like, uh, you know, they had Rick Dudley, their GM, fired Mike Keenan as coach, and seven months later, Keenan somehow gets rick dudley fired and comes back as the dm you know i mean like you can't make stuff like that up right um i covered pavel Bure, um uh who's the best player still to this day that i've ever covered in a in a really a clutch and grab league he was scoring 58 and 59 goals, back-to-back years with the Panthers, absolute superstar, just electrifying to watch. He was in a sort of a love triangle with uh, Sergey Fedorov and Anna Kornikova, which made for a lot of like almost gossipy fodder at that time. It was hilarious, <laughs> um, you know, but a lot of those players down there just had great personalities. And and it's funny. I mean, you know, a lot of them I still see to this day and I'm super tight with. I mean, Tom Fitzgerald, the... the the GM of the, uh, the National Predators. I only covered, I mean, sorry, National Predators. He was the captain <laughs> of the GM of the New Jersey Devils. Um, you know, he's somebody that I only covered two or three years down there. And yet, he, you know, he and I are really tight. Scott Melony, I see in the wild press box all the days, all the time. He's the assistant GM of the Montreal Canadiens, actually lives here in Hudson, Wisconsin. And, um, you know, but I mean, you go down the list of those early Panther teams and, I, and I'm still tight with all of them. Uh, their coach, Doug McLean, um, you know, their GM, Brian Murray, really, uh, you know, in a lot of ways, took me under his wing and taught me the sport, um, so uh, it was a blast down there, but the one thing that that you learn quickly when you're covering hockey in South Florida, maybe a little less than in Tampa Bay, where they've had a pedigree of winning for years and Stanley Cups and things like that, is um, it's sort of the most relevant sport down in 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 south florida you know if you're going to cover sports down there you you want to cover the heat the marlins the dolphins and the panthers they were just getting less and less print and you know after the lockout in 2004 or 5 my paper basically didn't want me to continue covering the panthers it was sort of like you know or something else and i knew this job at the star tribune when i worked at the star tribune uh i knew it was open and I, I went for it and they hired me and next thing i know like five days before the season i i uproot my entire life from florida to minnesota and here i am six you know 15 16 years later still covering the wild wild for obviously a, a different um outlet now in the athletic but Um, It was obviously a great, great change because, you know, one, the newspaper I was working out in Florida is absolutely, you know, a a shell of what it once was. But two, you you know, so I I think I probably would have been laid off by now and who knows what I'd be doing. Um, But but the other thing is, is that you just realize that being in a hockey market adds some purpose to the job. You know, just knowing that every day you're writing for fans that actually love the sport, love the team. You see it now more and more, just because of social media and things like that. Um, the ability to do a lot of the electronic media, like KFan and Fox Sports North, and my podcast—I mean, that's stuff that I don't think would have happened in, as a hockey writer in South Florida. So, you know, it's an immense pride being a being a hockey writer here. And you know, I think I think what it shows is to advance your career. You you know, a lot of it is is luck, and a lot of it is is just making the right choices and hoping that that choice leads to the better opportunity.
0: Definitely.
2: You know, uh, I noticed, well, I know that the Wild have kind of, they've kind of like just moved some pieces around from their team in the past couple of years. They've traded Granlin and Rider and uh, Zucker's not there anymore. Do you ever like, do you talk to those players anymore, like Zucker and stuff?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, you know, every now and then I'm I'm friends with his wife, who's in the media business. But I still you know correspond every now and then. When you know, uh, when I was in Switzerland a couple summers ago, he gave me a lot of uh, you know tips of where to go and things like that. And when he scored the other night, I sent him a message. Um, he's you know he's having an unbelievable year. Boy, um, you know, Kremlin, I'm probably not as tight with, uh, but no, I mean, no, no, you know, animosity or anything. I just you know, he's one of those guys that you know you just never really got super tight with. So. Um, you know, again, you 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 try to you try to keep um, you know a boundary uh, with all these these players, but there's some players it's like anybody you know you get tighter with some, and and some you just don't get you know particularly close with. And so, um, you know, I remember early in my career, I you know I was when early in my career I was basically the age of all the players, and so you become a, a lot closer, and you actually you know, did, as you mentioned at the beginning, you know, go to dinner with them or, you know, go play, go play blackjack with them in Vegas or whatever, because uh, the, the Panthers once had a three or four day trip to Vegas um, back uh, way before the Golden Knights existed, but it was more of like an R&R trip uh, that, by the way, destroyed their season. Um, <laughs> uh, they were going like, they were like, just unbelievable. Then they go to Vegas for like a three or four day vacation, and then they just like blew up uh, the rest of the year. <laughs> brutal. So. I don't think they've done that again um but you know it, it's uh you, you know that is the cool part of the job is that you know i think to be a good sports writer you have to have boundaries but you got to also respect the players that you're writing and i think that if the players realize that you're that you're you know that you're there to document and be and be critical at times but understand that you also have that respect factor for them and passion for the sport and going to work hard i think that you gain a respect in the sport and so Um, you know, there are certain players that, you know, early in my career where they were traded and it was like almost devastating to me. And I think you slowly but surely realize that if you're going to have a long career in this business, you know, I'm probably going to be the one that's going to outlast everybody. And I have, I mean, I've outlasted every coach GM uh, player I've ever covered in my career, even owners. And so uh, you realize quickly that you better unplug that sort of, you know, uh, sadness if a guy is traded, but you can still, you know, be tight with them elsewhere. So, uh, you know, and we've seen that the last couple, uh, you know, I I loved covering guys like Eric Stahl and Devin Dubnik and Ryan Donato. And, you know, but, you know, the days they were traded, it was just another day for me. You know, it's still part of the job. And then they move on. I move on. And that's the way the world works.
0: Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you earlier, uh, what kind of led you into the journalism career? And was that always like one of your main interests? No, definitely not. I mean, sports, I was a
1: sports fanatic growing up um, and wanted to be a play-by-play guy. That was all I wanted to do when I was a kid. I used to sit in front of the couch with like a flashlight and pretend I was calling games with the games on mute and mostly baseball and and, um, basketball and football. Not really hockey, coincidentally, even though hockey was definitely my favorite sport. Well, baseball and hockey were my favorite sports growing up. and then when I moved to South Florida, I started to announce, I, I went to a gigantic high school down there called Spanish River in Boca Raton, Florida. And um, and I realized right away that I wasn't an athlete. I played like freshman football and I was horrible. And uh, and I got into mass media there and uh, and uh, there's people that make fun of this because I've told this story before. But they, I, I was in so many years of mass media that the county actually had to add mass media for to let me have it my senior year um, but i used to do all the play by play and the and even the pa um for all the football baseball basketball games at the high school and um so i befriended all the local sports writers there um for the sun sentinel the boca news the palm beach post and i essentially got into my foot in the door as like a 15 year old at sun sentinel and the boca news and the palm beach post and started doing stats them, answering phone calls taking high school box scores things like that and next thing i know somebody got sick they said hey can you cover this deerfield beach football game i was a teenager at the time and i'm like yeah i'll go do it and i go there and they had a running back named mark Renaud, r-e-n-a-u-d he played at michigan state eventually i think and um in the first half he was like on on the way to breaking emmett smith's like high school state rushing record and the the paper one was excited that i was smart enough at halftime to call in and say hey you might want to get a photographer out here i think history is about to happen um but two that they just liked the story and the, the sort of the reporting aspect of it because i'm definitely a much better reporter than than and writer and um and so they just uh you know they the next thing i know i'm writing and next thing I know, I'm a sports writer, and I never wanted to become a sports writer, and here I am, just uh, you know, an, essentially an old man still doing the job. Of, and it's funny. I mean, I, I'm still the same way. Like I would, I'd give anything to be Anthony Lapanta and call Minnesota Wild games on TV. But the cool part of being a sports writer now, and probably pardon the interruption, is the big reason for this is is you know, when when they started to have, uh, you know uh will bond and, and Kornheiser on there and then and then all of a sudden they realized that a couple of sports journalists could actually host a show and then next thing you know um uh you know the, some of the other shows on espn came out as well uh, that's where all of a sudden sports writers wound up getting a voice and being on tv and interviewed on radio like when i was growing up you rarely heard of a sports writer even getting a you know a call from a radio guy and saying hey can we talk to you about the florida panthers it was very very rare and then now it's the best part of my job is so what keeps it interesting is not only do i get to write every day which is not my favorite thing in the world to do but i get to do you know i host two or three really three podcasts but one's on hiatus right now but i host two podcasts um you know i got a, a i'm a contributor on Kfan fan a contributor on fox sports north nhl network and um and so that's the cool part of it is it makes it fun is that you get to do a little bit of everything now which is why I also tell kids all the time that, you know, even if you just want to be a sports writer, you know, make, make sure you for even for fun, do podcasts, you know, uh, try to develop your sort of writer's voice or your your electronic media voice. And because there's no way that you're going to be able to get into this business in today's day and age and just do one thing, you're going to have to be good at everything. And then hopefully the first thing you know one of those things you become good at as a young person is how you first get your foot in the door whether it is at a radio station a tv station starting your own podcast uh you know at a place like the athletic and so um you know i i i think that's the that's the one thing i've learned in my entire life is that is that uh you know here i am doing this job forever
0: and I never even wanted to be a sports writer. So it's pretty it's pretty ironic. There's no doubt about it. So yeah, that's crazy how that works. But uh I think that pretty much ends it for the career-based questions. We kind of had like a little speed round of uh personal questions, and uh I'll just start it off. Uh what's your favorite restaurant? Um
1: outside of Minnesota, Mastro's, um, which is a, a steakhouse in Everywhere um, inside in in Minnesota, I would say um, Lake Elmo Inn or uh, Marks uh, on the uh, east. You know, so Lake Elmo Inn is in Lake Elmo, and Marks is in Stillwater. And if, when I lived in downtown Minneapolis, I lived in downtown Minneapolis for twelve years. I used to go to Bar Lagrassa all the time. Absolutely loved it.
2: What's your biggest pet peeve?
1: Um. I don't know. Well, the first thing that came into my mind is being at the airport and having like somebody walking on one of those uh, moving walkways. Like, I I always want to say to people, like, this is not a freaking amusement park ride. This is for people <laughs> to get their planes quickly. But that would be my like, probably, I don't know why that was the first thing that popped
0: in my head, but I'll go with that. All right. Uh, I was going to ask you, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Um, probably, uh, Lake Como
1: in, uh, Italy. That would probably, that's the first thing that pops to my mind. That's one I can answer like 25 places like Lucerne, Switzerland's incredible. Um, if it was in the United, uh, Vancouver, like downtown Vancouver and a high rise would be just magnificent. But the other place that I, you know, I, I would love to live if it wasn't for the fires all the time is Napa. Like, I, I just love Napa. I love every time I go there.
2: What's your favorite part about working in the hockey world? Um, probably the players uh, and, the, and
1: the personalities as a whole. Like, I just love, uh, you know, and if you ever listen to my podcast, the interview podcast that I do on uh, The Athletic, like, uh, that's probably my favorite part of the job, actually, uh, is just sitting there and shooting the breeze with, with, with people in hockey. It's the greatest time. Like, half this job is honestly stuff that fans that read me don't get to see. It's all the stuff that goes into it. Uh, you know, just sitting in the press box and be able to talk to, like, you know, scouts and GMs of other teams and coaches and walk into the visiting locker room and talk to Patrick Kane and, you know, who I've, you know, over the years, you know, developed a bit of a relationship with and things like that. So uh, that's probably the best part of the job It's it's definitely, you know, and then the other part of your job is getting uh, favorite thing is, is uh, getting paid to cover hockey games. And that's, uh, you know, every time I get a paycheck, I feel like I'm stealing money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Uh... What was my other question? Oh, yeah. Uh, Who's your favorite artist or your favorite band?
1: Uh, Trampled by Turtles is my favorite band, local Minnesota band, Bluegrass. Um, You know, uh, I love all sorts of music. Uh, Lumineer. it's more like stuff like that. Lumineers, um, uh, Judah and the Lion, uh, you you, you know, Death Cab for Cutie, uh, Counting Crows, R.E.M., so uh you know probably a little more old school than you but not exactly like you know pretty chill music like any music that i could write with write to is you know the shins um you know things like that henry jameson like uh you know uh, I've, got, I've gotten to know a lot of bands as well like trampled and, and so it's probably uh you know it's 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 uh, pretty awesome to get to go to a lot of these concerts and stand behind the stage and things like that
2: do you have a favorite wild game that you've covered or been to Uh, Definitely the
1: 2014 game seven uh, in Colorado. That was an unbelievable hockey game. It gave me a heart attack. It's Mm. one of the reasons why I thought like, you know, maybe being not working in a newspaper anymore is great, great idea and going to the athletic. Um, I mean, that game was insane because, you know, it's game seven. So as a sports writer, when you're at a newspaper, you got to have two stories going one, their season ends or two, they're continuing on to play the Chicago Blackhawks. And then they're down four different times in the game by a goal, including the last time with two and a half minutes left.
2: Yeah. Well, at
1: that point you are solely working on your story that says the game is, their season is ended. And so now Spurgeon scores and I'm like, oh my God. And you know, like, and then you're at a point where like, I need this game to go to overtime so I can have that 15 minute intermission to rework both stories. And thank God it got to overtime and nobody won because I would have absolutely had a heart attack because also also, at that point, you got to file the second the game's over. Oh, but that game was just unbelievable. I mean, four times rallied back from a goal deficit. Um, you know, Nino's shot to win the game. Uh, then two days later, being in Chicago, that that was that game was just absolutely spectacular. It's it's not only to me one of the best wild games that's ever existed. It's one of the best hockey games I've ever seen, and I was lucky to, lucky enough to be there
0: in Denver. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Just uh, a little side note to that one. Uh, what? is or like who is your favorite player that you've ever interviewed um
1: I mean I remember I still remember to this day the first time I interviewed Gretzky and I was like it was like those movies where the words are like he's talking and I'm not hearing anything he's saying <laughs> the whole time I'm thinking like wow this is Wayne Gretzky like this is just crazy that I can't believe here and I was like 20 21 22 I I had the same experience when I was like at the Sun Sentinel and I was covering the Miami Heat uh Chicago Bulls once and um it wasn't a one-on-one situation but I was in a press conference that Jordan was up up there in a playoff game I believe and I was like I can't believe I'm sitting here and that's Michael Jordan like my favorite player ever growing up you know that was pretty neat um but probably Gretzky um you know in today's day and age um you know there's really nobody that kind of like you're you're like wow i'm getting to interview him but you know it's funny it's like i've known gary Bettman since you know for 26 years now and still every time i talk to him there's still like that little nerves that's like oh, wow you know I was the commissioner of the league <laughs> A little yeah. nerve, so much smarter than me i remember i was working on a story earlier in the pandemic where he called me back to the story and i remember the whole time i was just like nervous and i'm like this is crazy like i've talked to him a thousand times but it's like every time you talk to him you know there's party that's just like it almost feels like you're talking to the president of the united states maybe it's the you know he does have that intimidating way about him you know very lawyerly like letting you know i'm smarter than you and you know that he's smarter than you and so that's uh probably bettman would be there not a player but 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 every time i talk to him it's sort of the same way
0: yeah, yeah. sam do you have any more i or- think we're I think that wraps it up with the questions, which brings wow. us right into our game and uh, how it works. I know I kind of explained it a little bit before, but uh, you get a minute to answer a bunch of random questions, oh, uh, yeah. some hockey questions, some I think we got like geography, food questions, you know, a bunch of random stuff. And uh, yeah, we're trying to like keep like a standings for the people who come on that we interview to make it like a competition. Like, I want to get on to beat Michael. Like I want to take his spot, you know? So
1: yeah, that's oh, how it games. works. games. Like K-Fan, you know,
0: that the initials game K-Fan has like asked me to do it a couple of times. I'm like, no way. There's no- <laughs> I know people uh, who I've been messaging are like, I don't know. Don't ask me too hard questions in the game or whatever. I'm like, well, I mean, we'll try to make it as easy as possible, but we throw on some hard ones.
2: Are you ready? Yeah. All right. (laughs) And
0: let me pull it up. You want to count it down for me? Yeah. All right. Three,
2: two, one,
0: go. Who leads the Minnesota wild in points? Uh, Jordan Greenway. Which actor plays the main character in the movie, the water boy, Adam Sandler. How many legs do spiders have? Eight. Which band sings the song "Love Gun"? No clue. <laughs> what city is known as the city that never sleeps? Uh, uh, New York. Who's on the ten-dollar bill? Oh boy, you can pass too. Lincoln. Uh, what's the capital of India? Uh, uh New Delhi. What's oh, the name man. of SpongeBob's pet snail? No clue. <laughs> Which Toronto rapper made the song Hotline Bling?
1: I'll go with Vince Carter, who's is the only rapper I name know. Name a
0: Christmas movie. Um, Bad Santa. Uh, what number is Ryan Souter? 20. Uh, the who is the CEO of Tesla? Uh, Elon Musk. Okay,
2: that's 60. <laughs> oh, okay.
0: and then we, we wow. do a bonus question, yeah. Too, a bonus though. question, too, all which right.
2: is uh, so it's worth double, so it's worth two points two for the points. bonus question. Mm-hmm. And then the question is who's gonna win tonight? But who do the wild play tonight? Uh, they
0: San, play, San
2: Jose,
1: San Jose. Yeah. I, Minnesota. I actually think that they're gonna win tonight. Okay, so, though, right. I mean, the sharks are coming off a couple of good games in a row in st louis but yeah i I know
0: they've been looking nice i mean i don't know it's been tough with st how do you think st louis is doing this year i know they've had some tough losses but uh... yeah
1: yeah i think they're going to still be good they're still technically on top of the division right now um but you know everybody like like the wild have games in hand on everybody but um um i I still like colorado at the end of the day i think they're the best team in the division i'll I'll be interested to see how the wild play in vegas when i'm there and you know week because the wild usually play great in vegas um but that's almost like they're spurred along by their fans and they're gonna you know you're only gonna have 20 percent in the building and a lot of those are going to be vegas fans i would assume i think it's gonna be very hard for wild fans to it, but um
0: but uh as long as they definitely still open it up so by the way how did i do on the game uh, you did pretty well. I mean, I think a lot of people have been getting similar scores, but it all comes down to that uh, two-point question to yeah. put, see who uh, takes the lead, Those I think. Those
2: were pretty tough questions. They were Those a little tough.
0: This is embarrassing. What's the, what's the capital of India? Oh, uh, New Delhi. You got it right. Wow. I was like,
2: hmm. I didn't know that either. I, was like,
1: oh.
2: <laughs> Honestly, yeah, I don't know right. how I
0: thought of that. So. Um, well, what we do is... I usually make like an Instagram post or whatever, and then post your score after uh, the wild win tonight. Hopefully, and then <laughs> and then yeah, uh, we'll see who's like in the lead and put put it into the standings and stuff.
2: Okay, cool. But, but
0: yeah, oh yeah, uh, one more thing before you go, I was gonna ask you. Uh, we were wondering if you could, by chance, do like a little intro for us, by chance, and just say like something like welcome back to the bet bros podcast this is michael russo or something like that yeah yeah uh just now yeah just now yeah uh welcome back to the bet bros podcast this is michael russo awesome. thank you well, yeah i think that pretty much wraps everything okay. up then uh thank you so much for your time it's so appreciated yeah. like yeah you can't Anytime, thank you guys. it was awesome to talk with you cool nice meeting you guys yeah, yeah nice you too. meeting you too we'll see you michael see you take care bye-bye